Cool. All right. So, you know, at, at church and as Christians, we, we talk a lot about relationship with God. But what, what do you understand that to mean? And just take a moment, if you're with someone else, to just quickly say to them, what, what do you actually understand by this idea of relationship with God? Um, if you're on your own, perhaps you can well, you can talk to yourself or talk to God, or you could journal that down really quickly. Um, what what is this idea of having a relationship with God? You know, the the word relationship really just means that something is connected with another thing. So I have a relationship with my husband. I have a relationship with my friend. Um, I don't have a dog, but people talk about having a relationship with their dog. Um, we can also say things like, you know, the government's economic policies have a direct relationship to unemployment. Um, you might say that there's a relationship between how hard you study for an exam and the results. It's just it's this idea of a connection between two things. Um, you know, you could even, I can even say that I, I have a relationship with my bank. Yep, we have a relationship with a bank. It's an expensive one. Um, <clears throat> we remember a couple of years ago, we were uh, organising finance for the first time to get a place, and you know the the mortgage broker came around, and he's a very personable kind of charismatic type, and hugely excited about financing. And uh, so, and we can, and you know, he's clearly doing everything he could to kind of communicate to us that hey, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. But then uh, you know, a bit into that, getting through the all the bells and whistles of what you had to do, he said, you know, but you need to understand, mate, um, the bank needs some comfort. Oh, the, the bank needs, yeah, the bank, mate, the bank needs some comfort. Okay. And here am I, I'm just thinking this is a, a billion-dollar behemoth. It's an institution. But he wanted, he wanted me to know the bank needs some comfort. Now, obviously, what he was just meaning was, look, the bank needs evidence that you can actually make the monthly repayments. Like, that's, that's all he was looking for. But he grabs this word comfort and uses it to somehow elevate this relationship into, like, a human relationship. Like, we're just two people who care for each other and are just kind of trying to work things out. <laughs> it was just, it struck me as so completely odd. When all the purpose of the bank had in this relationship was to extract as much money as possible from me, right? And um, and the comfort bent was just simply the broker bringing some sort of persuasive fluff into this mix, right? And so that made me think about relationship with God. Like I don't know how you've how you've had what it means to follow Jesus explained to you, but. There's a way of explaining it that it's kind of like afterlife insurance, right? It's kind of like if you if you if you believe in Jesus, you trust Jesus, then you're guaranteed to go to the good place, right? When you die, like, and that's the essence of it. And so so it's like, so is what we're really on about just is like, are we a bit like the bank, you know? It's like it's really just afterlife insurance, but we're gonna fluff it up, use some persuasive fluff and use relationship words in it. Is that kind of what's going on here? So that's kind of our question. Is this idea that you can have a relationship with God just an idea like a bank saying that they need comfort or is there actually something to it? 
Mm. That's our question today. So, yeah, so when we, um, if you pause and you think about your relationship with God, you know, like as it really is, not just how you think you should have a relationship with God or have been told you should have a relationship with God, but the way you and God actually relate, you know, what, what qualities would you use to describe it? Is it more like what that idea of having a relationship with the bank where it's this kind of contract, it's this sort of transactional relationship, or is it more like a relationship that you have with 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 your spouse or with your child or with your friend what what does your relationship with god really resemble yeah we want to suggest this morning that the type of relationship that you have with god or we have with god is basically going to be informed by who we think god is and there's a there's a theologian um a guy called Tozer, who says that the the most important thing about you is what you think about God. So it's not your eye color, it's not your gender, it's not your net worth, it's not your job, it's not your history, and it's not your future. It's hey Seb, <laughs> the most important thing about you is what you think about God. And he he goes on to say. Um, that our idea of God corresponds as nearly as possible to the true being of God is of immense importance to us. Compared with our actual thoughts about him, our creedal statements are of little consequence. Our real of idea, idea of God may lie buried under the rubbish of conventional religious notions and may require an intelligent and vigorous search before it is finally unearthed and exposed for what it is. So what you're saying is that when we when we come together um, to church today, we don't come with our idea of God unformed. We we come with an idea of God mm-hmm. already, and that even the first time any one of us joined a church gathering, we also brought in with us an idea of God and, and an idea of who He is, and that this idea of God mm-hmm. is constantly being formed and shaped um, throughout our lives. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's interesting. It's we also we we inherit these ideas that have been formed from generation to generation about who God is as well. And uh, Paul in in Romans one twenty five, he reflects on on how humans have had their idea of God formed over these generations. And he says that um, although we were created to know and to worship God, he says um, we exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. So we exchange the truth of God for a lie. And so he says that instead of worshipping gods, we actually shifted and we made idols. So we created small things um, that we that we could worship, but it's actually it's actually worship on our terms, because we've made them so small that it's it's more an expression of control than it is of worship. And I was thinking about this, and I, I like a couple of weeks ago, like we, you know, we're kind of digging into Disney Plus or Netflix to try to find um, some uh, movies that might suit the kids. Um, and we found this. Um, we found we found this film. I don't know if you remember it, but it's it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. 
so it's the the Rick Moranis film, and uh, he's 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 thinking I'm going to make a killing because I'm going to shrink big things down to small things, and then I'm going to get them shipped around the world, and it's going to be amazing. Can't get the machine to work, then series of events happen, and the ki- anyway, accidentally, the kids end up being shrunk. And I think in terms of how you can understand idolatry and what we've done as humanity in terms of our image of God, a great movie title for that process would be Honey, I Shrank God. Like, that's kind of what idolatry is. It's uh, it's just shrinking God down to as small as we can make him to keep him how we want him to be. Yeah. And a, a key part of that is sort of removing the personhood of God. Yeah, that's right. It's really interesting. There's this, and we were talking about it a bit on Thursday night, like there's this idea of the universe. You know how people use their universe a lot these days? They're using their, oh, the universe is watching over me and stuff like that, which kind of sounds like, so what do you, what, do you mean God or something? Or it's like, but it's like, no, no, the universe. Now I was thinking about that and it's kind of like this arrangement that you might have, say you're living in a big house and you've got, you've got these annoying parents that you've cut off relationship with. There you go, as long as they live down that end of the house and they keep providing a roof over my head and paying my bills, this is great. And I don't need to talk to them or anything like that. That that's kind of that's quite that's kind of seems to be something behind this universe idea. It's like I want benevolent care, but I don't want the universe to have a personality. I don't want the awkwardness of actual emotional exchange with this um with this being. So yeah. So we tend to we we tend to try to try to, with our image of God, make God into the palatable form that we need God to be to serve our, yeah. our needs. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I think as people, um, you know, the the heart of our problem basically is that we're always trying to make God smaller. We're trying to make, I, I know that this is the, the heart of all the problems in my relationship with God is that I'm always trying to make God less than me somehow. He's more indifferent. He's smaller. He's less compassionate. You know, we try to we, as humanity, we often think that God is dumber than us, um, that he is less compassionate, that he is you know, less capable of um, moral nuance or of really considering a complex issue than, than we are. And, I mean, I mean, it's crazy when you sit down and think about it, but I think it's always what our tendency is. We're always trying to make ourselves above God somehow. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of our baggage, I think, as humanity when we come into this, you know, we become Jesus followers and it's like, okay, so oh our understanding of God as as Tozer says, it's gonna need some ex excavation. Like we say stuff and we can use the right words, but what do we actually think? That's what's really important to God. So that so excavating that, sifting through that, and probably getting rid of a bunch of stuff is gonna be part of our process of actually entering more fully into relationship with God. Um and I, I think, you know, so over the, um, like at Viva, we talk, um, we, we talk about, hey, we want to be introducing people into a relationship with God. But it's, it's really important to, to think, therefore, about who is this person that we're actually introducing people into relationship with. And so we want to be a little bit disruptive over the next couple of weeks and kind of take a fresh look at God. And we're going to, we can do that a whole bunch of different ways, but the lens that we're going to use to take a fresh look at God is the lens of emotions. So we're going to kind of focus on the emotions of God. I don't know if you've thought much about the emotions of God, um, but that's where we're going. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've been a Christian since I was 15 and I've never once heard anyone do a sermon on the emotions of God. Maybe it's just a passing comment. So and there might be good reasons for that. We'll find out. <laughs> anyway, um, so why, um, why, why emotions? Why are we looking at that? Yeah, well, here's a thought which I'd invite you to consider. If we don't know that God really experiences emotions, then the idea of true relationship, deep relationship, won't ring true in our hearts. If though, although if, we, if we'll hear the word relationship, if we don't actually believe that God has emotions, then our appetite for that relationship will be like our appetite for the bank, for our relationship with the bank. It's like, just get the transaction done and pay the mortgage and get out of there. <laughs> it's like, that will kind of be the essence of it. Because... Without emotions being involved in that relationship, it will just feel like relating to an institution. So think for a moment about a child, for example. What would a child think if they knew their existence and their love didn't actually move their parent emotionally? Yeah, that they, that they actually thought, look, my parent, my parent actually feels nothing whether I love them or not. Now, they probably think that, they, that their dad was Spock or something like that, right? And surely one of, the, one of the essentials of a relationship being marked by love is that my affection for you moves you. So our question is then, do we actually believe that we emotionally affect God? Like any partner in any relationship worth its salt. And so to go back to that question we asked earlier about how you think about your relationship with God, is there an emotional component? Did you, th did you think about emotions from you to God and also vice versa? Did you, think, did you consider God's emotions toward you as part of that relationship? But I think to start with, we have to actually ask the question, does God really have emotions? Yeah. Um, certainly, because like I said, it wasn't a thing that was ever talked about in the church I grew up in. So... Do, yeah, does does God actually have emotion? Yeah, and it's a really it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because um, you may be aware that um, for the in in church history for thousands of years, people have not really considered God to have emotions, and that kind of came out of uh, Greek thinking. So the Greeks had this in terms of their thinking about God. They were like, okay, a perfect being doesn't have emotions because for a perfect being to be emotioned, to experience emotions, that would mean that the perfect being could be moved and if they could be moved, then they're not perfect. And so there was kind of this, um, that was that, there was that development of thought and that was in, inherited by the church fathers, by the early church fathers, so immediately after Jesus, and that was kind of carried through for, for a long time. It's like God is... They use this word impass impassibility, so the impassibility of God, that God is, is beyond being affected emotionally. But then World War II happened, and two theologians, and it won't surprise you where they came from, actually one from Japan and one from Germany, looked at this thing and said, oh, we've got to rethink this. We got, and, and one of them said this. Uh, just, his, his name is Jürgen Jürgen, Jürgen Moltmann, he said, because um, the core to their question was, does God suffer as we suffer? And he said, a God who cannot suffer is poorer than any man. For a God who is incapable of suffering is a being who cannot be involved. 
Suffering and injustice do not affect him. And because he's so completely insensitive, he cannot be affected or shaken by anything. He cannot weep, for he has no tears. But the one who cannot suffer cannot love either. So he is also a loveless being. So they, so these guys started just this, this movement that started digging back into the scriptures and going, whoa, 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 wait a second. What does the Bible actually teach us about God and emotions? And so they went back way back to the creation story and understood that, you know, God created man and woman in his image. And we mean that to say that we were created to reflect God in a very profound way. And often we've been okay thinking, yeah, God thinks, so we think, and God has sort of a conscience, so we have a conscience, and we can reason, and, and God can reason, and, and, and we can serve, and God can serve, and those kind of things. But we very rarely have we thought, but what about that emotion capacity that we all carry? Where's that come from? And, uh, and, and they understand that actually being made in God's image, part of that, the reason that we have this incredible capacity for emotion is because we've been created in the image of the triune God who has this insanely deep, rich capacity for emotion. Yeah. And if you think about who we are as people, like a lot of what we do is driven by emotion. It's amazing. It? We are just a we are just a bundle of emotions. Like uh, ninety five. If you if you look at the psych stuff, like ninety five percent of our decisions are driven and from out of out of our emotions. Basically, they're they're more developed out of our subconscious than they are out of our rational uh, prefrontal lobe. So it's like we're we're just actually emotional beings. Now we carry a lot of baggage. I think. Um, probably, and particularly, you know, Australian men as well. In terms of there's a, there's 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 an innate judgment in our culture around the idea of emotions that we can carry, and um, I don't think it's any it's any surprise that in some some of those patriarchal hierarchies within the church, in terms of the the oh no, God couldn't have emotions. That would be that would be way too scary because we've been told that that emotions are bad, emotions are unstable, emotions are like all of that's been sort of shoved over there. And we kind of inherit that and then apply that to how we read the Bible. But actually the God of the Bible, um, just reading the Bible as it is, uh, the Bible reveals this incredibly, incredibly dynamic uh, and emotional God. So Yeah, yeah and, and it's there in terms of how the Bible talks about all three members of the Godhead. You know, all through the Old Testament, um, we see God the Father as introducing himself as this being who feels deeply you know when he first introduced who he was to Moses and the people of Israel the first thing he said was well I am who I am and you just need to accept that um, and then he also introduces himself as I am the Lord compassionate and gracious slow mm. to anger and abounding in love he didn't introduce himself as I'm God the really powerful guy the really smart guy um, you know, the, the, it's, it's all very relational. There. Yeah, yeah, that's he, right. Yeah, it's all relational. The way he, the way God chooses to disclose Himself is all mm. relational. And obviously, yeah. we see we see Jesus reacting to people, reacting to situations, expressing different emotions. We see in the New Testament, it talks about the Holy Spirit feeling grief, feeling joy. It's if you actually start looking for it, it's all through the Bible. But we're yeah. going to sort of hone in on one passage. Now yeah. So, so we, we talked about the biblical story. We laid it out in, in the Saxons Garden the other, the other week. And, and, you know, the hero of that story um, is God, obviously. And, uh, and, and, and the, the beauty of story is that we understand character through story. And so through story, we see how a character thinks and acts and decides and all this sort of stuff. And that reveals the character of that 
of that of that hero. And so we're going to read a little excerpt from that story uh, from a guy called a uh, prophet called Jeremiah. Um, and this is this is God speaking through uh, Jeremiah to his people. And I just invite you um, to as just to really listen to these words. If you if you game, imagine that God is speaking these words to you. But if that feels a little overwhelming, imagine that you're just overhearing this conversation and and try to just just hone in on on the emotion in this language. Like let the emotion speak for itself. Yeah. Okay. Go. So I'm, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read this for us slowly. Yeah. I've heard the contrition of Ephraim. Yes, I've heard it clearly, saying, "You trained me well." You broke me, a wild yearling horse to the saddle. Now put me trained and obedient to use. You are my God. After those years of running loose, I repented. After you trained me to obedience, I was ashamed of my past, my wild, unruly past. Humiliated, I beat on my chest. Will I ever live this down? Oh, Ephraim is my dear, dear son, my child in whom I take pleasure. Every time I mention his name, my heart bursts with longing for him. Everything in me cries out for him. Softly and tenderly, I wait for him. God's decree. So I don't know which emotions, um, you know, jumped out at you as we read that passage and particularly the second half where it's God speaking and God talking about how he feels. And I think the bigger question is what does this passage suggest about how God relates to you emotionally? So we're really just cracking this, cracking this question open this week. Uh, I've, it's been interesting just thinking about it. Just I was I was kind of we're going to give you a list of scriptures um, after this to marinate in, and I've been kind of marinating in some of those scriptures this week. If I actually just let the scripture speak and actually begin to understand that God is present and deeply emotionally engaged with me. I, I kind of, I, I, it kind of just thoroughly arrested me, and and kind of just made me think about my. I'm like God. I have treated you far worse than, like, <laughs> just even even in the in the week done. Uh, let alone the years. Just treating God much more like that parent at the other end of the house that was going to provide the stuff I needed um, rather than someone who was deeply affected emotionally by my activity that both in that in my capacity to grieve him but really really significantly in my capacity to just bring him immense delight and joy just by being and engaging with him so we're going to talk um, next week, particularly about what this means for our relationship with him, um, and and how to. And, but yeah, I just it 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 just 
it was just it was just it just brought home this 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 thing in a new way that i am i am god's child that the way that he sees me um, and the way that he feels about me is more deep profound and filled with uh, more intensity than i'm i know what to do with he uses constantly through jeremiah as well he uses this paradigm of being um, like a like us being married to to God and that and that him having that affection for his people like he has like a husband would have for a wife and again like that degree of emotion just is breathtaking. This this the, my process for the week was basically being moved to a point of going God I'm sorry God I'm sorry for how I've shrunk you and reduced you and tried to just demand that you operate at a distance on my terms. And then moving to this invitation, God, come close. Because a couple of um, couple of weeks ago, I was having some time with God, and God, God said to me, like, I felt God's just speaking to me through Jeremiah that He was going to show me this new stuff that there was just going to be this new season of revelation. It's like, oh, what's that, you know? And then here, and then I then I started going into this emotion stuff. I was like, oh, this was not what I expected. I, I'd expected more information, <laughs> more things to sort of more principles to. <laughs> put away nicely and be able to package and express, but it's like, oh, wow. Okay, this is this is actually about you and who you are, the person of God. So we just we um so as I said, we're we're not we're not resolving any of this this week. That that will that will hopefully throw on a whole bunch of questions at you and a whole bunch of things to think about. And we just wanted to invite you to we'll have some time in breakout groups. Really invite you to kind of just share with each other some of your responses to this. Some of the stuff you might have real questions. You might have pushback and just go, "Nah, that's a load of whatever." Um, uh, but if you've got, but I just encourage you to open up to the possibility that the, the way that the scripture describes God is actually who God is. Yeah, and like Eddie said, we'll send you like a list of a whole bunch of different passages that talk about this topic, and just taking time during the week to just um, sort of read those and. Yeah, and maybe rethink your 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 picture of God and who like how you imagine God when you pray to Him and when you um, when you relate to Him and and just when you when you live your life. I think it's I know for me I haven't had this piece of the picture of God feeling and responding to me with this kind of intensity and vulnerability. I haven't had that in my my picture of God, but it, it actually brings a really significant shift. But it's not just a, okay, quick, grab this bit of information. It's kind of something you've got to let really work into your heart um, and and really, yeah, think through and chew through and or even talk through with other people. And, yeah, as we said, there's 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 this exchange process. So we, we've historically gone with exchanging the truth about God for a lie. And I think there's a time also where we need to exchange our lie for the truth as well and we inherit a lot of thinking which pushes back at this idea um, so one of calvin one of the people one of those core theologians of the reformation was all like oh no any, any emotion that's, that's that's talked about in the bible about god that's just that's not really that's god pretending to be emotional that was kind of his conclusion which was <laughs> that's really that's really informed how the church thinks about this stuff and so there's quite a bit of unpacking for us but there's this wonderful invita- invitation to just meet God in a in a in a incredibly dy- dynamic way. It's right in front of us, I think. So, yeah. 
So we're going to go into breakout rooms now um, and probably put maybe, yeah, three or four households or people in a, in a group. And, yeah, we just, like, would love you to just discuss this idea of the emotions of God, whether that's been part of your picture, whether you think your picture of God needs to change, and, and also just to pray for one another in that mm. and to really invite the Holy Spirit into that process because we can't really change ourselves very easily but we can make the choice to be open to, to letting God change us. And like Andy said, letting that exchange of exchanging our, our lies and our wrong beliefs about God for the truth. So I will pop everybody into breakout rooms. And this is random. I don't actually, you know, <laughs> set Cur- curate up. them. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, let's just take some time. And then when you're finished, just, just sign off. Yeah. So we'll, So we'll pray first and then go to breakouts. Yep. So Father, we want to thank you so much that you are amazing and present and filled with love and animation about your world and about Viva and about our lives, God. You are intimately in it all. And just pray that you would uh, really just help us in our conversations and in our in our wanderings and in our walk with you this this week, God, open open up our eyes to you in a new way. Know that your heart, God, has always been that we would be your people and that we would know you and know you in, in a way that is more intimate and wonderful than I think we can even begin to imagine. And thank you for making the way back possible through Jesus. And uh, so we give this the, re- the rest of this time to you. And I just pray you yeah, to these conversations and send us out, God, to, to love and, um, and bring this good news, God, to those that we meet on the way this week. Amen. Yeah. Amen.